0: Log Talk Radio. Hi everybody, this is uh, Silvio Ocantel in Dallas, uh, Texas, forgive me, we had a little problem there um, uh, with the server, but I think we're, uh, everything's okay right now, so forgive uh, a little bit of that data here, we'll try to change that when we do uh, the upload. As we like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda, so let me put uh, Bill back on. And uh, I think you're on right now, Bill. Forgive me for the little delay there. What would we do without servers, Bill?
1: Well, we wouldn't have an Internet. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear
0: you great, but I know for a yes. minute there you couldn't hear me, right? Yeah, okay. That's so right. I apologize yes. for that. Well,
1: well the server is, is is critical. I had to recently uh, change servers because the one that serves uh, my uh, website, Urgent Agenda, went out of business. They're the people who put you on the Internet. They take all That's the stuff right. that we do and translate it into the digital signals that are needed for the Internet, and uh, they're they're absolutely critical function.
0: Yeah, I know, and, and uh, as I say, for almost 10 years, it's been working out perfectly. We've had a few problems here uh, recently, but uh, other than that, everything is great. So it's been a, a very interesting week, Bill, politically uh, as well as with the climate. Uh, we have another day of 102 degrees here in texas and it's going to be that way uh for the next week or so so you know i'm beginning to think there's something about this global warming stuff because we're certainly getting at least texas is warming i don't know about the globe but at least texas is warming bill
1: oh i look i don't i have no problem with the possibility of global warming what i have a problem with is, is how politicized it's become I mean, right. it, it, there may there may be global warming. Maybe it, maybe the, the the world will reverse itself. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a scientist, but I get the feeling a lot mm-hmm. of the things we hear are based more on on the needs of people looking for scientific grants than actual information. You know, we we should have been burned enough by the information we were given during the pandemic. We certainly know now that the information about closing schools and keeping children out of schools for months was very, very bad. and was very bad for children. Uh, And, uh, uh, okay, with this global warming, do we have to panic about it? Do we have to change everything in our lives? Because there's global warming, I really don't think so. It's being it's it's becoming the 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 universal excuse. Well, we we have to ban this product because of global warming, and then you wonder how much change there will be if we ban this particular product or this particular service, and it comes out to be so infinitesimal as to be meaningless. I want right. know more. I would I would like to see a presidential commission on the level of the Challenger Commission that investigated the Challenger accident which was such an excellent excellent report done by thoughtful people who will give us real information and what the possible expectations could be if we make all these changes in society we're, we're told now that oh you unless you have an electric car you're going to destroy the planet well it turns out the electric cars are destructive enough i mean they have many things that are that are not right there are many concerns about the, the, the type of batteries that are going into them and the dangers that they pose. And even if we went to electric cars, would it really make a difference? I don't know. I, I want more real, you know, Charles Proudhammer used to say that, the late and great Charles Proudhammer. He used to say, I'm neither a believer or a non-believer. I want more information. So do I.
0: That's right. No, I agree 100% with you. and. And I, you know, I've become more and more of a believer in the more information idea because um, the, the so-called climate change people, or whatever they want to call themselves, they're engaging in such tactics. First of all, shutting down traffic is probably not a good way of encouraging people to listen to you, uh, going into a museum and destroying uh, works of art is not a very uh, constructive way of getting people to listen to you. And then walking into a grocery store and throwing milk on the floor, because I guess there's some connection
1: to climate change and how they
0: make milk. Uh, their tactics have been have been uh, so, so crazy that I think they turn off a lot of people who might be willing to listen to their idea. But there was a great article, you probably saw this, on powerline there was a great article talking about the, the electric automobiles they're sitting at the lot they're not selling
1: That's right. Uh, the,
0: the electric cars are not selling and i thought the the reasons that they gave were very interesting they're saying number one they're too expensive they're not practical you don't have a second market or used car market for these cars so people are afraid that you know uh, that, that they're going to you know they're going to have to spend a lot of money to buy a car and then later on when they try to sell it in the used market uh, there isn't really a used market uh, or used car market for it. But another point they pointed out, Bill, and this is, this is the one that I think maybe at least it touches me and maybe a lot of other people is that the minerals that are used for these batteries are coming from countries where, you know, you have children working in these mines
1: and That's they're right. abusing
0: people. And and a lot of people are saying, wait a minute, you know, I'm driving a car and I've got this battery in the car. And the first thought that comes to my mind if some children in Africa are working in a mine and being abused. uh, You know, that, I think, turns off a lot of people on top of the price of of these cars, built
1: It certainly does, especially the so-called humanitarians are so involved in global warming and don't even want to discuss that. Another thing we find is that as time goes on, we get these little pieces of information, like the fact that uh, an electric automobile's efficiency dramatically with the outside temperature that's something I didn't know but apparently it's, it's true and, and then and when you realize that it's true of flashlights you know with lithium batteries that they're efficient in some areas of the world and not efficient in other areas of the world I want to know more about that then I also want to know what the trade-off is going to be because you you can just see it coming that there are going to be days where you're not allowed to use air conditioners I want to see an article on, the, on what air conditioning has done for the modern world in terms of not only comfort but medical uh, advantages. Uh, where I want to know how many millions of lives have been saved by pure air conditioning, by making the air uh, cooler and safer and cleaner. Uh, I'll I'll bet it's an enormous number. Are we going to lose all those benefits? You just get the feeling that a lot of these people who are uh, into this global warming thing are basically political people who want to see Mm -hmm. us live a different kind of life. And so every problem that comes up is attributed to global warming. Uh, I, 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 I want to see more science. I want to see less speculation. I also want to know something else that is never discussed when this is going say in 50 years the, 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 the planet will be 1.3 degrees warmer than it is today. We know that from experiments. I want to know what kind of technology that without any prompting from the government is going to be developed over the next 50 years to make things more efficient to make them uh, less emitting of uh, dangerous fumes, the world is not going to stand still. Even Mm -hmm. without any global warming emergency, there will be, look at just the last 50 years and the Mm -hmm. dramatic improvements in technology uh, in American society and the dramatic improvements in the efficiency of uh, of, uh, automobiles. I mean, they act as if nothing. As nobody's ever going to do anything. In fact, around right. the world, there are there are experiments in new types of fuel uh, that might use the engines that we have now and be much cleaner. I want to know more about that, but the press will not tell us because they're all in on this stuff. Yes.
0: Yeah. No, I know. It's frustrating because, you know, they talk about 50 years of the future. Well, I go back 20 years. And I look at some of the predictions that former Vice President Gore made, some of the predictions that former Secretary of State uh, John Kerry made, and I'm not real comfortable with their predictions because they turned out to be false. I mean, according to, I think it was uh, Vice President Gore, uh, we were all going to be flooded. I mean, you in New York City there would have to get around in a canoe. And, and as right. it turns yeah. out you I don't believe you get around In a canoe, I, I still think you have streets To drive on, and it, it just seems Like all their projections were so Far off, that it makes yes. me Skeptical about their projections That they're making right now, the other thing Too, and I was talking to A, a Canadian friend about this uh, Last week, because uh, he Was, you know, he was asking me about Why do you think so many People are opposed to climate change, and I Said, or opposed to the idea of of, of climate, or the conversation of climate change, change I should say. And I said, I'm not opposed to talking to you about climate change. I'm, in fact, I, I love the climate as much as you do. But tell me or explain to a middle-class family why they should pay more for electricity and gasoline. Uh, is beginning to happen in Canada, by the way. Their, their prices up there are going up pretty high on these things. And there's a backlash, a green backlash going on in Canada as well. But why should these people pay more and then have these businesses move to China? Can somebody explain to me how that's for the United States to have more Uh, manufacturing move to China and me pay more for the gasoline? How is that good for the country, Bill?
1: Well, they will tell you that may be true, but if you don't do anything, America will burn up. You'll see our cities burning, our beaches burning. The ocean will burn. Uh, I mean, the the temperature of the water in Miami did go up recently, temporarily, to a very high temperature, but the reality was it then got cooler. You know, and and, and I don't. We are not being told the things we need to be told. You know, President Eisenhower in his farewell address, actually dealt with this. It was a very, very wise man. And right after the very famous lines about the industrial-military complex, which, by the way, are always quoted out of context, he discussed the role of science. And he said his concerns about the notion that scientific grants often affect scientific results. In other words, who you give the grant to, why you're giving it, can uh, can affect the actual result of the experiments, and he worried about it. He was very wise in worrying about it today, if you want to study climate, you have to follow the party line to get a grant from the federal government. You can't have your own point of view that's the, that is the approved point of view and that that worries me because that's what that 's not what science is about uh, I, I think there are so many questions that need to be asked. I don't see them being asked by the press any more than they asked any questions about the background of Barack Obama. I mean, we elected (laughs) a man about whom we knew nothing, absolutely nothing. And then they talk about how you need a free press for a free society. Yes, you need a functioning free press. But when the press isn't functioning, we're not gaining. That's right.
0: No, I I agree with you 100% on on this conversation about the environment. Uh, we need more information and we need less scare tactics and uh and these people who are blocking traffic uh that's they're not getting they're not making friends when they do that uh i can right. assure you they're not making friends when when they do that and they're coming across uh, exactly as they are a bunch of crazy crazy fanatics well bill let's talk a little bit about something that's happening in the north pacific ocean and that is you have china and 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 Russia apparently are out there doing some maneuvers in the north of the Pacific close to Alaska and this you know maybe maybe this is a fishing expedition because they tell me that fishing is really good this time of the year uh, around Alaska so maybe the Chinese navy and the Russian navy decided that that they were going to take their their navy people out for a little fishing expedition up there so they could catch some fish and and bring it home to their families, Bill. Maybe that's the explanation for these these warships up there, Bill.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they suddenly discovered that. No, the explanation right. for the warships, I suspect, is pretty direct, and that is that it was to send a message to the United States that we can go anywhere we want to, and you can't stop us, and your influence is diminishing. And I'm afraid that they may have a point. Uh, I think our influence is diminishing because we've begun to withdraw from certain areas. It is just remarkable how the United States is withdrawing from the Middle East. I mean, mm-hmm. our, our influence is, is less. We still try to boss people around. But, uh, they, well, we'll put an emphasis on China, they said, uh, uh, 10 years ago during the Obama administration. Well, okay, where's the emphasis? Where's the emphasis? We're not building enough ships. Their navy is larger than ours. Uh, we don't have enough forces in the region. Uh, we uh, d- don't challenge them in any business area because the interests of business uh, clearly come first. Uh, so we've done more. We put more attention on China. W- what is the result, then? I can't see one. That's right.
0: Well, and 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 to have them almost in your face. You know, if I was the Canadians, I'd be pretty worried about it because they're not too far from Canada. These ships. And uh, Canada has not exactly done a good job of keeping itself prepared for, for a situation like this over the years. At one time, you know, the, the Canadian Navy was pretty good, but not anymore. Yeah. So oh, it um, used to
1: be it's, at the end of World War II, the Canadian Navy was the third largest in the world. They punched right. way above their weight. Now it's it's nothing. It's
0: Yeah, it's a very insignificant Navy right now. And and yet these ships, these Russian ships and these Chinese ships aren't that far from Canada. They're not that far from Canadian territory. But what what really amazes me is that the, they're willing to do this because they don't fear any reprisal. In other words, they're simply not afraid of any of any consequences on the part of of the Biden administration. They're just not afraid of him. They're not afraid of uh, you know sending ships to Cuba. They're not afraid of walking all over Latin America and buying favors from all these different countries. It's almost like they're on the move and the United States is just sitting there watching helplessly, Bill.
1: Oh, absolutely. We don't we don't seem to have any vigor in our response. Uh we we, we, we saw what happened recently when the Chinese balloon went over the United States photographing us. There was virtually no, It was some interest for a few days. The press is not interested. I mean, they, they really don't care. Uh, they're they're m- much more interested in Trump, everything Trump, all Trump all the time. They think that the public can't get enough of Trump. Uh, but uh, th- this is a serious situation because before the Second World War, we did not challenge the buildup of uh, Germany. In fact, we had plenty of mouthpieces in the United States, like Charles Lindbergh, who told us that Germany is no threat to America. And even in the Pacific, the the buildup of Japan. Um, we sold. It's an old story. It's an old cliche from the of time of my youth that we sold scrap iron to Japan that came back to us in the form of bullets. And mm. you know that was it was a lesson for the future, to to be careful. In fact. Somebody uh, was on this morning, and I, I wish I remember who it was. I get glances of these things, but he was talking about uh, – oh, he was a, a man named Hurd. His name was Hurd, H-U-R-D. I think he's a former congressman, and he was talking about Ukraine and the fact that the statistics, the poll numbers today show that more Americans want us to do less uh, in Ukraine, they want us to do more, and he said he knows those numbers. He said that when he talks to an audience and talks about Ukraine, he talks about why Ukraine is important, and that it is that the Russian invasion is a violation of the world order that we created, and that world order assumed that nations would not attack other nations, and if they did, it would be shut down immediately. And that we, in helping Ukraine, we are helping to sustain that world order that brought the end of the Cold War without fighting a world war. And he said, when people hear that, they change their minds. But, there, but there's no explanation. I, I have not seen a single explanation in any news source that I use that actually goes into the history and what is the mentality that 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 commands us to help Ukraine it, the reporting is just so shallow it really is yeah well
0: you know I like to see Russia lose uh, with Ukraine. Yes. I, I think that, I mean it's not so much pro-Ukraine as I am anti-putin but but at the same time I mean you know there is a limit to what the United States can do and the the amounts of money that we are sending to Ukraine are so so large that you know, you begin to wonder. You begin to wonder at what point do you say, you know, we cannot help you anymore. I'm sorry, we just don't have the money. And when you add on that, the reports of of uh, our own deficits back home, and and the fact that we may be running out of ammunition, and the fact that the American people still do not understand this mission in Ukraine, and I, I fault the president of the United States for that. He should have been on national television on day one explaining yes. the national security objectives you know people criticize uh the iraq war and 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 that's fine i mean it's 20 years ago but one thing i have to give a lot always gave a lot of credit to president george w bush is that he went around the country for about a year explaining the national security implications of iraq and again yes. some things didn't turn out the way they were supposed I, I get that you know we didn't exactly everything didn't turn out maybe the way we thought it would. I think I still support the mission, but I know things didn't turn out quite the way we thought. But at least the American people were given explanation after explanation by their president as to why he may have to go into Iraq, Bill. This has not happened with Ukraine. I I have never heard a foreign policy speech from President uh, Biden about Ukraine. Uh, he hasn't gone out to some school or some... Place and, and you know given a speech about Ukraine. yeah. so it I think that's where the frustration is bill I and mean, that not, not just The money but the lack of an explanation. I mean explaining to a mother and a father uh, Here in Texas or in New York why their son may be headed to to Ukraine or maybe potentially Taiwan bill
1: That's exactly right. I had an editor at the New York Times when I worked there who said people have to understand that what happens in Southeast Asia can result in the drafting of a boy from Des Moines. And that is mm-hmm. the way it used to be phrased and used to be explained. We understood. But today, there's there's no... there's Really, the, the press is very lazy, uh, very much into its race, gender, and ethnicity business. They have forgotten the, the, the stories that are classically important. And, you know, there's also something else we used to say uh, in America, that uh, in terms of the policies of administration, that the country can take four years of a bad domestic policy, but it can't take four years of a bad foreign policy because the bad foreign policy can kill you. And we don't talk that way anymore. We talk about foreign policy if it's a, if it's a, a subheading. Uh, mm-hmm. And the young generation the young generation does not seem terribly interested. The only thing they're interested in is picketing the uh, the Pentagon if we're involved someplace militarily. But other than that, the the interest level is low because the intellectual level of the schools is low, uh, and we've gotten into the to this nonsense. It's just chronic nonsense about, as I said a minute ago, race, gender, and ethnicity that they're the only things that count, and we have hurt ourselves and we have hurt the education of our children. That's right.
0: Well, not only are we hurting ourselves with all of that, we're having a hard time recruiting young people into the army, which is a Another big problem that is not being addressed, uh, because if we do have to go to war with China, uh, I don't see how you do it without bringing back the draft. We don't, you know, we don't have the capability right now. We're not recruiting young people into the services like we were ten or fifteen years ago, Bill. When there was a certain patriotic sense to join the military. Yes. I mean, I can remember right after nine eleven. You know, even during during the Bush administration, there was a lot of. A lot of people who wanted to join just because they wanted to stand up for the country, I don't see that right now. I mean, what I see is a lot of young people skipping uh, the military and doing something else, and that will eventually, you know, that check or that bill will come due at some point, Bill.
1: Well, that's it's going to come due, but you know, yeah. there's that old line from uh, Ernest Hemingway, and one of his characters is asked, who won bankrupt, one of his characters is asked, well, how did you go bankrupt and the guy said first slowly then suddenly and it's it's quoted a great deal uh, because what it begins to build up and build up and build up and and people don't feel it then they really do feel it you know we we watched the Japanese build up in uh, the Pacific before World War two and people were aware of it in fact there were incidents we had a gunboat that was uh, that was sunk by Japan uh, uh, in China uh, several years before the outbreak of our, our phase of the Second World War, Americans noted it, but there was no great great interest. And then all of a sudden, Pearl Harbor came, and we were at war. And suddenly, the interest was very, very great because their own families were involved.
0: That's right. No, that that's exactly right. No, also, the homeland had been hit, and when you see Russian yes. ships and Chinese ships uh, near the homeland. You got to worry a little bit. You got to worry about. But here's something something else that worries me about what's happening with China and Russia up in, uh, in the Alaska area is that, you know, we could also overreact to these things and get ourselves into a war. What's Absolutely. the old saying that the best way to stay out of a war is to be strong? But when you're weak, well, that, you could very well get into a war because the opponent challenges you more, Bill.
1: It was George Washington who said. If you want peace, prepare for war. And he was right. right. It's, the, it's the idea of deterrence. And deterrence means that you you have to have the forces in being and ready to the point where an enemy will be afraid to attack you. And I'm not mm-hmm. so sure we have that today. I think we are, in terms of China, we're getting weaker while they're getting stronger. And it's it seems to me... The, uh, it seems to me that there is a, uh, uh, a tendency to now in the, in the press to think of the armed forces as kind of a, sec- a social experiment, that they're becoming woke, and isn't that wonderful? Well, no, it's not wonderful, because the armed forces were doing the best job of any element in our society to integrate racially. They were the ones who really were leading. They don't need training mm-hmm. in being woke. But at West Point and other places, they're teaching this stuff. I wish they'd be teaching more and practicing more about being warriors.
0: That's right. That's exactly right, because that's what they're going to have to be at some point, you know, because the Chinese and the Russians, I guarantee you that those naval ships uh, near Alaska, those uh, people on those ships did not attend any woke classes uh, before they, they got on those ships. I mean, they're not talking pronouns on those ships. You know, they're talking about military strategy and whatever strategy it takes uh, to defeat uh, the United States. But that's another, before we take a break, I wanted to say something quickly here. That's another sad consequence of the Ukraine war, that it has brought apparently China and Russia together in a way that they weren't before, Bill.
1: Exactly Give me your last sentence again Silvio I got a a fade out No
0: what I'm saying Is that one of the One of the Let me take a break And when we'll come back And we'll have more time To get into it Right okay Because it's something something I've been hearing uh, Quite a bit We're going to take a little break And we'll be right back This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, August the 7th, with our good friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. No, Bill, the point I was making is that I, actually one of the one of the presidential candidates, uh, the young man, Vivek, I think it, I can never get his last name. Uh, Vivek, oh, yes,
1: I can't either. Vivek, yeah, his last name Vivek. escapes. Yeah, they call
0: him Vivek because, uh, with all due respect to him, he's a very smart guy.
1: Um, oh, very. He
0: mentioned something. Yeah, he mentioned that one of the consequences is that we have actually brought China and Russia together because of Ukraine, because of our Ukraine policy. And he feels that this is the real threat to the world, China and Russia together versus the United States bill.
1: Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's any question about it. We went through, during the Cold War, we went through uh, several uh, phases of the China-Russia relationship. Uh, at first, uh, the, after the takeover in China of uh, by the Communist Party in 1949, uh, Russia and, uh, well, it was actually the Soviet Union in those days, the Soviet Union and China were very close. Then they had a falling out of some kind. I don't recall what it was about, but they became, if not competitors, at least icily friendly uh, And uh, uh, we didn't know how that relationship was going to wind up. In the, in the beginning of this century, they, they were icily friendly, or you know, just formal, but now they've become close again. Whether it's felt, felt or not felt, I don't know. Maybe you know they sincerely love each other. I don't think that there's a romantic relationship going on, but they have become close again, and one of the reasons is that Russia needs China. I don't think China needs Russia that much, but Russia needs China. And the two of them together, because Russia is still an advanced scientific nation and technological nation, the two of them are an extremely affordable for, uh, a force. And uh, uh, I, don't think we, I don't think it's registered yet to the people of the United States. Uh, I think there is a, a vast China lobby in Washington. There's also a pro-Russian lobby in Washington. But the two of them, and they've just demonstrated it by those ships off the coast of Alaska. I I hope people know, and I hope most people in journalism know that Alaska is one of our states. I I, 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 I sometimes wonder whether they know it. Uh, But it is part of the mainland, you know, Uh, and also Hawaii, they should be reminded periodically, that it's part of the United States. We do have substantial military assets in Alaska. They're right off – they're very close. Uh, through the Bering Straits, very close to Russia. I mean, when Mm -hmm. Sarah Palin said she could practically see Russia from her house in Alaska, people laughed at her, but she was being serious. It's very Mm -hmm. close. And uh, 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 these these ships right off the coast of Alaska, they were countered uh, at first by are sending, I think, three destroyers and an airplane, one airplane, uh, but we already have assets in Australia, in Alaska, so it's not fair to say we skimped. They have uh, mm-hmm. uh, some uh, uh, major interceptor assets on land there, uh, and we also have some help from the Royal Canadian Air Force. So, but, but I think that was sending us a message that we can go anywhere we want to. We're now friendly. We work together as allies. And there is absolutely no question that China, as one of its major international objectives, covets Taiwan. And the question is, when will they make the move to take Taiwan? And what will we actually do about it? You know, our country has never made an outright statement about a a Mm -hmm. military commitment to Taiwan. We have no treaty with them. Uh, So anything we do would be uh, a, a decision of the time. Uh, however, one thing we do know is that if we were to intervene militarily in any conflict with China uh, and Taiwan, over Taiwan, our intervention would spark a much larger war.
0: And that's what mm-hmm. Americans
1: will be, will be told. Americans will, you know, you can be sure there will be the of propaganda that Taiwan uh, is not really... A country and it's really not legitimate, and that we should just let the Chinese take it. the problem there of course is that if we let the Chinese take Taiwan, the signal to all of our uh, Asian allies would be that we are weak and those are critical allies they include Japan, they include South Korea, they include the Philippines, they even uh, uh, include Australia, which is taking the Chinese threat much more seriously than we are and That's right. they, I mean I've seen maps recently uh, uh, done in the Pacific and uh, for Pacific uh, uh, users that now include even the Solomon Islands, which we in World War II remember for the Battle of Guadalcanal, which is one of the Mm -hmm. Solomon's. And you see those old names again. And you realize that the the, the Australians have a very good reason to be concerned about China because China can cut off their sea lanes. And uh, also, China can... You know, they can send enough ships down there at some point to make a difference in New Guinea and other places. Again, those names from World War II. And uh, the, the appearance of those ships off Alaska should get us talking and get us thinking. And, and I, I don't think there's any thought that goes on in the White House. You certainly can't ask Kamala Harris. I don't think she even knows where Alaska is. Uh, and the administration does not seem terribly concerned. I think Americans should be.
0: No, they should be because, again, those are ships too close to home. I mean, Alaska, as you said, is a state, uh, not only uh, an important uh, state, but they also have a lot of oil and a lot of resources, and they're very, very close thick. to Russia. So so we have to, you know, we have to. We have to take it very, very seriously. But yeah, I'll just say one last thing about this, Bill. I don't know if this ever happens to you sometimes when you see events like you wrote about this at Urgent Agenda about the the ships off Alaska. I don't know if this happens to you because it happens to me when I hear about China running all over Latin America and running all over the third world and now Chinese ships uh, with Russian ships off of Alaska. I ask myself the question, you would have never heard this. Three years ago when Trump was president, whatever his yes. faults were and whatever his personalities' faults were, and there were many. For some reason, this stuff didn't happen back then. And now maybe it was just a coincidence or maybe it's because they feared consequences, Bill.
1: Well, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, again, with all his faults, and there are many, uh, people took him seriously internationally. They were afraid of him. And that's not a bad thing. The president of the United States, we want him to be respected, but the, we want more than anything else for him to be feared by enemy countries, mm-hmm. so that they don't start a war. That's mm-hmm. that's the objective. Uh, that's right. And I think no, you're you're seeing, right. you're seeing the you're seeing the same thing because even though some of Trump's policies internationally, I thought were st- stretching things a bit. I, I think some of his withdrawals were uh, premature. But he built up the armed forces. He knew you had to have the force in being. Today, we have an armed force that is large. It is effective. But we have an armed force with a number of ships that are not operating because they are in need of service. uh, And we're not keeping up with it. And we have, as you pointed out earlier, a great deal of difficulty recruiting Uh, Soldiers and sailors and not only recruiting but recruiting the right kind of people in this technological age You don't just grab anybody you have to have uh, Young people who have some education who have some ability to learn uh, who have a a clean record in terms of behavior Uh, It's a scientific armed forces and we are falling behind and it's it's as you said before it is going to come back to bite us someday
0: It is it is well, let me switch uh, the topics a little bit to be, New be, York. Before before, yeah, before ahead, you please. do,
1: uh, I just wanted to say the name of the presidential candidate you were talking about is Vivek Ramaswamy.
0: Right.
1: Okay. Well, thank That's you for just,
0: pronouncing that. because
1: <laughs> I, I, I just always, read it. on the-
0: Yeah. No, he is such a smart guy. I love listening yes,
1: to him. I, love I mean, too. the
0: guy is – he's brilliant. I mean, he's just brilliant. He's talking about things that we need to talk about. Uh, and the the, the I, I say young man, he must be at least 35, I guess. Uh, can't be too much older than 45, I would think.
1: Uh, 38.
0: But 38. Well, that would make him the youngest president if he got in. Yes. But, yes. man, what what a smart guy he is. I mean, I love to hear him talk whenever. And one thing about him, he's not afraid to go on any show. That's the other thing I like about him. You know, he's out there, and he'll go on anybody's program. And he'll, he, you know, he's been on on several. He was on CNN several times. Maybe he hasn't been on MSNBC. I'm not sure. But you know, he goes just just about every uh, every place that that he gets invited. And I love to hear him talk. I love to I love to hear him talk. Well, let's go to New York City for a second, Bill, because Friday afternoon, some teenagers in New York City decided to have a little bit of fun, and they flooded the streets. I guess around Union Square. And it had to do with somebody had some kind of a promotion going on. Yes. Uh, and I guess they didn't go through with their promotion, so a bunch of young people decided to go a little crazy. And, uh, you know, I'm not defending the guy who set up the promotion. Maybe he did something incorrect or illegal. I don't know. I don't really understand what he was doing. But the, these young people were now in the streets, and for a while there it seemed like New York was out of control, Bill.
1: Well, uh for a while new york that section of New York, which was Union Square, very famous section of Manhattan, called union square uh in uh out of respect to labor unions, which used to have a lot of rallies there uh, and uh there are publishing houses now there. it's a very dice area actually. uh yes, kids went out of control and and the the uh, and they there was a similar riot in Chicago at the same time and the mayors of these well, the one in in Chicago is is, uh, batty but even our mayor here seems to want to blame everybody but the kids doing it you know the the influences on them and this and that and uh, I think that you see these things the, the sad thing is that the story goes away in a few days and people don't keep talking about it but I think that, and especially in New York, by the way, where people are almost brain dead. I mean, you have you have voters in New York who put in Bill de Blasio as their mayor. I mean, that's, that, that tells the story. It, it, like big people living in big cities, they just do not seem to understand that when they cast a vote, there are consequences. So we have terrible conditions going on in New York today. Uh, crime in the streets. Uh, we we have a, a flooding of illegal immigrants, and some of the, the people in the government in New York are whining about it. We should be getting subsidies for, for these people. Well, they should have thought of that when they declared New York a sanctuary city. You know, that they, they might have thought about the possibility of where we're we going to put people. But they're now even thinking about putting homeless people in Central Park. I mean, that would... That would be, uh, you know, because Central Park is surrounded by very, very rich neighborhoods. I mean, really mm-hmm. rich. And the people there who I'm sure are wonderfully generous with their checks will suddenly realize what their uh, checks are going to. And they might be more, not less generous uh, in the future. But you, you saw those kids just tearing things up. There were a certain number of arrests. It is the responsibility now of the press to track those arrests and find out what happens. They will not do it because everyone knows those kids are going to be out in in, in a day and nothing Mm -hmm. will happen. Right.
0: But then you wonder, you know, when you see those scenes on television, and I have to tell you, they were scary. When I first saw the scenes on television, uh, well, actually on the Internet, when I first saw the scenes from New York, I was actually, you know, scared to people who might live around those areas.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh,
0: and, and, you know, people walking the streets or whatever, uh, you know, ladies going shopping or whatever, I was actually quite concerned. But when you see the way these people went after the police. Oh, yes. Once again, you know, once again, it, it simply confirms, at least in my mind, Bill, that whether it's Chicago, whether it's New York, whether it's Baltimore, whatever, uh, the police are not being supported by the political class. And these kids know what you just said, that they're going to be arrested on Friday and they'll be out on the streets on Sunday. And nothing's going to happen to them because, as the mayor said, somebody else will get the blame, not the kids. I mean, these kids should have all been arrested and and maybe put somewhere where they maybe they pay back the damage they did or whatever. But nothing's going to happen to them, Bill.
1: Well, absolutely. And when you get that feeling and send that message – you, all you're saying is come and get it. We, we people right. have talked about people have talked about sections of Manhattan now, and I saw a little bit of it recently on a on a visit where famous stores are staying there, but everything is locked up. You go mm-hmm. into I, I was in a CVS store, big chain, obviously, and everything of value in that store was locked behind glass. You had to call somebody to get it. And when I say of value, I'm not talking about items i'm talking about toothpaste you know and 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 perfume for women and or for men Uh, and anything else you have to call somebody to get it and they also have now things that are semi-locked up they're not locked up completely but you have to go and you have to open the door and then you have to do something else to get the goods uh but it is it is the, the most depressing thing to see this we have we have Corporations that are now regarding crime as one of their biggest issues because they're losing mm-hmm. so much money from from theft, and that of course is eventually passed on to the average consumer. And I right. also wonder, I also wonder how some of these companies, big and small and medium, are are even getting insurance. <coughs> Oops, well, going I can on tell
0: there. you, how, yeah, I got a, uh, I, well, I my uh, phone here tells me i'm getting a call from a potential uh scammer so i don't know what that means
1: okay but uh, to... i don't know what that means uh, i i it I means I they forgive. they it means the phone company has identified the number as having a suspicious history uh, oh, in other okay. words well, that i hope whoever it's, whoever it's is... not about
0: global warming
1: i oh, hope it probably, it's
0: not about, yes. about somebody no i just forgot to shut off the phone i apologize but the, you know getting back to, to to all of this I mean I w- what I see is a breakdown when you know when I was watching these kids running around I just said to myself where are the parents of these kids where are their parents where are their mother and father because that's really what uh, what it comes down to and I guess their mothers and fathers uh, you know are they going to be liable held liable for this I, I hope they I hope they are. Maybe that's a good way to start by saying, if your kid does something like this, we're going to go after you. Maybe that's a a good way to clean up the problem, Bill.
1: Well, to a certain degree, that's true. I I think that in every one of these cases, I don't know if they have the resources to do it or if they're willing to spend the resources, that the background of the child should be uh, addressed and the the parental situation. The trouble is, what do you do about it? Uh, A lot of these kids come from what we used to call broken homes. There's no Mm -hmm. father in the home, uh, and the mother probably is trying her best. Uh, There may be some irresponsible parents, but many parents of these kids are actually pretty responsible. It's the kids getting involved with the wrong people. They get involved with the street gangs. They get involved with uh, uh, other people who influence them to do terrible things, and the parents are in despair. that's, That's something you also see. That's right,
0: Bill. Let me let me go to another story, and then I want to take a minute to talk about Hiroshima before we close. Um, the, there's a you're seeing a lot of polling data so, suggesting that Americans feel that the, these indictments against President Trump uh, are more political than anything else. I happen to think they're more political. I not defending everything that President Trump did, but I, I still think indicting him and sending the FBI and stuff like that. To his home, I think that, that those were excessive things to do. That there would have been maybe a better way to do it. I still think the best way to do it is to let the American people decide on election day how they feel about this. But uh, it, it just seems to me that these indictments uh, are—I mean, like the one—the one, of, the one on, on January the sixth. More and more people are looking at that and saying, "This is about free speech." You know, if Trump said that the election was stolen from him, how different is that? than Hillary Clinton herself saying that she never yes, lost the and, election
1: and Stacey Abrams
0: who still is right.
1: governor she's governor of Georgia you know so ask her that's right uh, oh absolutely she was on radio
0: and television so, so you, you get this you get this sense that you know there's a double standard and again I'm not defending I think uh, Trump did a lot of stupid things frankly regarding 2020 I think he said too many things but he had the right to say them and if you don't like him fine vote against him but I, I just think that the country's reacting – I don't see how – I guess what I'm trying to say, Bill, is I don't see a happy ending to this one way or the other. If Trump is found guilty or not found guilty, this is not a happy ending. The country's not going to be better off because of it,
1: Bill. No, and, and I think that – I, look, I don't know if he's guilty of any of these things, if these are even legitimate uh, indictments, uh, but I do know one thing when he said – this is interfering with a presidential election this is election interference the uh, the presidential election that we will have next year is constitutionally mandated it is required by the constitution a justice department under the control of mr trump's enemies investigating the hell out of him is not constitutionally mandated there's a difference between the two and he is right trump whether you like him or not when he says the campaign is being interfered with. The election campaign. They want him now to be tried before the election, which is going to tie him down. Uh, uh, and I think they're now going, from what I understand, the Justice Department wants as much of the televised as possible, which yeah. may not be possible under it may not be possible under federal rules. They want to see a big television show. They want to see another O.J. Simpson trial, where the country is riveted on Donald Trump and his sins and this is this is what they call politics, and you know there 's a very interesting story about why you say that you talk about people um not accepting these indictments or being suspicious of them. there is a wonderful uh, source on this type of thing and his name was Alfred Hitchcock the director the great suspense director mm-hmm. he talked about things like this he was considered a master student of audience of how people reacted to things and he was once asked about coincidence in, in uh, coincidences in, in motion pictures and he said people will believe a coincidence at the beginning of a story but not at the end of a story we mm. are approaching We are approaching the end of a story of two stories, the end of the story of Donald Trump and the end of the story of Joe Biden. Their fates will be settled in the not too distant future. And when people then see all of these indictments, 72, I think, and they see them listed at CNN on a chart. They look at it and they say – the people in journalism think they'll look at it and say, the president is a bad man. He really must be a bad man. No, that's not what their reaction is. They're looking at this long list right before an election, and they're saying, are you kidding me? Are you telling me this is all a coincidence? And right. that's the reaction you're seeing. They're saying the timing of this is awful. The the appearance is awful, except to the left wing in American journalism. They think it's great. But uh, the average guy sitting there in Ohio looks at it and says, wait a minute, you know, (laughs) wait a minute. Well,
0: it doesn't add up to the average person because the average person says, okay, so you want to put Trump in jail for 300 years because of documents, but you didn't do anything to Hillary Clinton. That doesn't add up. You know, people look at it and they go, "There's there's a mismatch. Injustice, uh, you know, in, in this thing, and I, I just think, as I said before, I want to ask you about Hiroshima very quickly because we're running out of time. But, but I, I just believe very seriously that this is not, not going to end well for the country. That whatever the end, whatever the, the however the movie ends, people are not going. Some people are going to be happy, other people are not going to be happy. We're going to be more polarized than ever. And how is that good for a country and for people paying three fifty for gasoline in Texas? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder. I'm beginning to wonder. Well, so, yes. Quickly, but... and the, Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you very quickly about Hiroshima. Uh, today is another, or yesterday actually was the anniversary of of Hiroshima. Nagasaki came, uh, I guess, on the ninth of August. And uh, you know, looking back at it now, the decision was still correct in my mind was the correct decision. And I know people like to rewrite history, but I think Truman had one you know, he had the, he made the right call, Bill. That's my feeling.
1: Oh, yes. And I think that there are people who studied this all their lives. I think it was a professor at Stanford who began his career believing Truman uh, was, was wrong and that it was, wasn't necessary. And toward the end of his career, he accepted that it was necessary. It was necessary for one reason, to, to end the war. People do mm-hmm. not realize The casualty rates, which, by the way, this is true of almost all wars, are much higher at the end of a war than at the beginning, because some side is fighting for the the soil of its own country. And the casualty rates were ghastly. Uh, They were ghastly in China. A million people a a month were dying in China, which was under Japanese Mm -hmm. occupation. Uh, Our B-29 rates over... Uh, uh, Japan, the March 9th, the famous March 9th raid, killed 105,000 people. It actually killed more people than were later killed at Hiroshima. Right. The anticipated casualties for an invasion of Japan, which was the only way we had to end the war at that time, were, were, were ghastly that the United States could suffer upwards of 250,000 dead. And this is what Truman faced, and he had this weapon. And uh, it, he, knew, he knew it worked. It was tested on July sixteenth, 1945. The parts for it were already being sent to, to Tinian Island, even before we, we were sure it worked. But in case it worked, they would be ready. And he had this thing, and he decided to use it as one great shot to try to jolt the Japanese into into surrendering. And that's exactly what happened. They surrendered. That's right. And while, the, while we all... Re- how could anyone be happy about the casualties at Hiroshima? We were not. He, he himself wrote about those children who were going to be killed, who had nothing to do with mm-hmm. this war. But the number who would have died had we not used the weapons almost certainly would have been in the millions. In the millions oh, in the millions.
0: And, and then you wonder how much public opinion in the United States would have supported
1: uh, That's right. the war
0: at that point. That's the other thing that people forget, that by that time the country was getting tired of war. And to sit there and tell, you know, more American mothers and more American fathers, we're going to have to invade Japan and for the next three or four years lose a quarter of a million young men, uh, that politically, I think, would have been very difficult for, for President Truman. So he made the right call, and uh, I don't think uh, there's much disagreement there uh, between you and I, Bill. But you have a great day, Bill, and I want to thank you again, as always, always for joining us. Sorry for the little problem at the beginning, but we'll get it fixed. But, again, thank you so much for being a part of it. We love talking to you, and I hope you have better weather in New York than we do in Texas.
1: <laughs> I hope so, too. Okay. Yeah. Looking forward to the next you, one, Sylvia. Looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, you don't want to get the temperatures we have, Bill. No, that's for sure. But, no, but, that's we for get sure. The, but then we'll get a visit from Al Gore, so maybe there's something to be said for it.
0: No, but I'll remind
1: you of this when it's really cold
0: (laughs) in January, and then I'll say to you, I don't want your temperatures in January, Bill.
1: Okay, I agree with that. Okay, have
0: a wonderful day, Bill. Thank you so much, as always. Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda, and thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and uh, we will talk to you the next time. Bye-bye, everybody.